So you may have heard me um, tell this story before, but it, it fits this morning, so I'll tell it again, and you can decide whether you will ever want to hear it again. So uh, three friends went hunting. Uh, one was a doctor, one was a lawyer, and one was a preacher. And so uh, as they entered the woods to go deer hunting, uh, they were hoping to see this you know, huge deer that one of them would get. And lo and behold, coming out of a path, they all saw this huge buck, and all three of them shot simultaneously. And they ran to the buck to see how big it because it looked huge when they shot it. And they went to see how big it was. And as they got to the buck and as they began to look at it, they began to discuss, well, which one of them killed it? And they got into a heated debate about whether it was the doctor, the lawyer, or the preacher that killed the buck. Lo and behold, coming up, hearing the commotion in the woods was a game warden. And the game warden came up, and he wanted to know what in the world was going on. And they told him what had happened. And they told him that we're trying to figure out which one of us killed this deer. And he looked at the deer, and I mean, in a matter of seconds, he said, well, I can tell you if you'd like to know. It was the preacher. And they were just stunned. How in the world could he just definitively, so confidently say that it was the preacher that killed the deer? And he said, well, it's just very easy. The bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> yeah, Ted's not on his drums to do the beat. Um, I'll retire that since I'm going to retire somewhere down the road here. So um, it, it's interesting, though, you know, in church because we we laugh sometimes and it's probably good to laugh uh at times uh, about what the preacher says and uh there is certainly things that are um well let's just say we don't want to hear what the preacher says at times because it can be convicting it can be stepping on your toes just a little bit um, I've got a pastor friend that told me once, he said, I don't preach any uh, down or convicting sermons. He said, I, I like to preach feel-good sermons because that's what gets people in the door and coming back. If you step on their toes too much, they really don't like that. So I just find myself not preaching sermons that are convicting. Well, we can make fun of uh, the ear or going in one ear and out the other, what preachers preach. But the fact is, is the word of God has to be heard. So the word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And last week we preached on the parable of the souls. And if you look at verse 11, I believe it says that God's word is the seed that is being planted. And so, does God's word go in our ear and out the other? Or do we hear God's word in such a way that we are willing, not just willing, but righteously obeying it? And so this morning, we're going to continue in Luke 8. Uh, we looked, as I said, the parable of the sower last week. And this text follows that without a break. 
and I'll talk about that in a, mo in a moment of why that's important. And so um, the parable of the lamp is the parable that we're going to look at this morning. And I'll be reading verses 16 through 21. Now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a container or puts it under a bed. But he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And his mother and his brothers came, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds for what you would hold for us today through this your holy word we pray this in your name amen now we know that there are times when people do not listen to us uh, we well I won't I won't give you another story I'll do that in Sunday school if you come to Sunday school I'll give you another story but there are times when we look at someone's face or we are talking to a friend or maybe a spouse and we realize they aren't listening carefully to us. They are not hearing what we are saying. And Jesus in this parable of the lamp is carrying this thought onward about the word of God. And so in verse 18, he begins that verse and he says, So take care how you listen. Take care how you listen. Now, is Jesus addressing the crowd or is he addressing the twelve? It's interesting, right? Because it seems that he would be saying this, all that he is saying would suit the multitude that has gathered there but if you look at the text from really verse 8 on down through verse 15 these words lend itself that he is still talking to the 12 and so it flows right out of verse 10 where it says the disciples being began to question him in verse 9 of what this parable meant and he said to them in verse 10. Now, we could say, wait a minute, it just seems like a, a different parable. And if you go back to, to Matthew 5 
and look at what Matthew 5, it, it has to be the same situation going on. Jesus, you know, is, is saying the same thing, but I would beg for you to look a little differently this morning at that because Jesus in verse 10 reminds us that spiritually this parable is about revealed truth, spiritually responding and concealed truth, those who superficially may respond, but it takes no hold in their life. It takes no root in their life. In fact, um, Satan even will come for some and, and pluck it away because there is no foundation. And so Jesus, as he finishes the parable of the sower, begins this parable immediately, continuing on this thought please know, and I know you do know this, you know, in, in the, the original text, as, as Luke would write, he would not say, oh, this is uh, chapter 8 of my letter that I'm writing, and this is verse 15 and 16 that I'm writing. And so this thought is carried on. Certainly we see as we move from some text to another, he has moved on or he is carrying into another thought. But it doesn't seem to be that way here. And Jesus is talking about this lampstand, a lampstand that he says you would put a lamp on, and as the lamp is lit, you would not hide it. You would not put it under a bushel or under the bed, he says, because a light does two things. A light serves two functions. One it illumines, and the other, it exposes. Light illumines the way. Light also exposes what is before us, and I would even say, in our case, as Jesus is talking, in us. What's in our hearts? Jesus is teaching about this truth, the Word of God that it exposes all that may lurk inside of us, the good and the evil, because there are sometimes those dark corners of our heart. And Jesus in this text is calling us to be obedient to the word, to allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit through God's word that is taught to us, preached to us, as we read God's Word at home in meditation and Bible study, God's Word can cause us to look at ourself. It can cause us to be convicted of our sin. It can also call us and does call us to obedient righteousness in Jesus' name. And so Jesus is talking about this lamp on a lampstand that illuminates but also exposes and then he mentions as we get into in a few minutes verses 19 through 21 and it just seems to be out of place but it's not and he talks about his family coming and it just underscores the teaching that Jesus is doing here this key of being uh, relational to him, being in tune to him, Jesus is talking about his word and obedience. 
and it means that Jew or Gentile, male or female, not just your immediate family or your natural mother or brothers, Jesus is talking about how to come close to him, how to be in relationship with him, how to carefully be obedient to him. He is talking about this relationship that happens when we come to faith in him, when the very seed of God's word is implanted in our life. And so the parable of the sower gives us encouragement and gives us warning. This parable gives us encouragement and gives us warning. And since God's truth is revealed in Jesus, we have to listen carefully and obediently to the teaching of his word. Remember, God's word is the seed as he is laid out in the parable of the sower. So the very first thing that I want us to look at is verse 16 and 17. The word of God illuminates for us the ways, God's ways for us. So the word illuminates God's ways for us. Many commentators, as I mentioned before, tie this back to Matthew 5. They say that verse 16 and 17 is an exhortation of the disciples' function of giving off the light, that they are not to hide God's light, and that Jesus is preaching to them, teaching to them the main point of putting their light on this lampstand and letting it shine. Because if you go to Matthew 5, it says that we are to let our light shine before men. We are to let our light shine before men. But it seems that Jesus uses light and even light on a lampstand on several occasions. Some argue that the context of chapter 8 here is an interpretation that Jesus is talking in this parable to make plain about his resurrection and his ascension and that this is to illuminate himself, not just his word. But again, I would caution you that it seems that is a clarifying piece that Jesus is giving us to verse 10 in the parable of the sower so that the 12 do not make a mistake at all to Jesus's teaching about the lampstand his word is not uh, his words are not given for the primary purpose of concealing the truth but revealing it the same light that exposes as i said illuminates and so no one can respond neutrally to Jesus teaching no one can respond neutrally to Jesus teaching either we will respond obediently to the Word of God and draw closer to God or we will ignore it and we will deceive ourselves 
and we will think that we have it, but it's like the parable of the sower where it hasn't taken root, and actually that seed is not connected to us in our life. The lamp, as you see on the picture, there's a lamp and there's this basket that would be put over the lamp that would, would hide it. And these clay pitchers were such that they would put oil in and it would have a wick and, and they would light it. And Jesus is just reminding them of something that they would know. No one would hide it under a basket. No one would light a lamp if they weren't going to use it for some purpose. That lamp keeps us from tripping over our kids' toys as we turn on a, a lamp in our, or grandkids' toys in some of our lives. Without it, uh, we can hurt our shins by hitting the furniture. <laughs> um, some of us can't cook or read without that lamp being on and, and Jesus is reminding them that this lamp has a purpose. It will illumine, but it will also expose. In the same way God has given us his word, which is Jesus' teaching. So when Jesus talks about his teaching, he's talking about the word, that it shares light in our life in a dark world. We find often obstacles in our way that this world presents to us. But God's word gives us understanding. When we trust God's word, when we read God's word, it can give us direction. It can actually guide us in this harsh and often evil world. When I do premarital counseling, uh, I talk to um, the, the bride and bridegroom about the things of this world. And, and I often hear them say, well, we've been talking about, you know, whether we're going to have kids and, and what we're going to do down the road and, and uh, making sure that, you know, we're doing the right things and living righteously, and that's good. And I will say, well, how often are you in the Word? Mm, well, we, we hear it in church. Or, or do we really need the word? Yes. Because you see, if you really want to do the will of God, and um, the young people in the room, and we have, uh, let's see, five or six. Um, look, if you want to do God's will, be in his word. Because God's word is going to tell you, hey, you need to be looking for a God-centered mate. Don't. Don't be unequally yoked, 2 Corinthians 6. Oh, you need to be spending time in God's Word because it will actually help you to understand the morals that you need to live by, the standards that God has set for you as a believer. Matthew 6 and 1 Thessalonians 4. God word, God's word gives us these vital principles for all of us. It reveals the truth to us to live by. And without God's word, people wander in the darkness. There's danger that's before them. And in essence, they've taken that basket and just 
moved it down and they've allowed themselves in many cases to be deceived and even destroyed by the sin in their lives. We must live by God's word and allow it to be the example and to illumine our ways as we walk with him. You, you might wonder, why in the world would anyone, anyone not want to live by God's word if God's word illuminates and causes us to be able to walk a good and, and sound path? Why in the world would anyone do the opposite? And that's the next point where Jesus' teaching exposes all the hidden in the human heart. John three nineteen and 20 reads this way. Jesus explained, Men love darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Listen to what he says. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. And I would hope that you remember that one of the I am statements is Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus' teaching exposes all the hidden things that are in our life. Now, there are those that debate this verse and say, well, that's not really what Jesus is teaching, but I don't know how you get anything else out of it other than men, women, hate for their evil deeds to be exposed. So, Jesus goes on to say in verse 18 here, that therefore take care how you listen. For whoever has to him shall more be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. You see, those that are inclined to hide in their heart, those that are inclined to be foolish in how they're living, living without God's word, knowing that God's word would expose it, Jesus goes on to say that we need to be careful how we listen. And so I want to give you three, and there's not an exhausted list this morning, but just three ways that we can be very careful on how we listen, how we tune in to the light of Christ. In other words, planting that seed of God's word in our life and listening carefully. The first is that we need to take time to read God's word and meditate on its meaning. We must read God's word and meditate on its meaning. There are many today that attend church regularly. And when you look at the statistics that Barner puts out, which I really don't agree with this, if you attend twice a month, you're content, considered a regular attender. So in other words, 26 out of 52 Sundays, you're considered, you know, half of the time is okay. If that is it, 
Are you in God's Word? And are you reading God's Word outside of worship? Do you rush through your devotion because of the time of day? Do you say, I can't do that today. I've got so much on my plate. I don't think I can do my devotion today. Um, I am not your example, but I will just tell you what. There's a, a, some great examples in this room that could get up here and say what they do daily. But when I get up at 5.15 each morning and I take a shower and pray in the shower, my first thing is as I have taken Finnick out because he has to go do his mess outside, I come in and open the Bible, and I sit there, and I begin to do my devotion. And I spend time in devotion and prayer um, before 6 o'clock every morning. And it is a time that I have dedicated to the Lord. I think sometimes Christians go back to 1961. There's a commercial. Some of you will have no clue, but some of you will. There was a little phrase that said, and it was uh, for Brill Cream, a little dab do you. I mean, it, a little dab do you, it was all over, and everyone knew if you ever said that, what you were marketing, and it was Brill Cream. I think sometimes we Christians think a little dab do you. But God really wants us in his word. He wants us to be reading it, not just hearing it preached, but to meditate on it. A few years ago, there was a man named Carl Sharpsmith, and he was 80 years old. And listen, folks, you can work until you're 80. Carl worked at Yosemite National Park for 50 years. At 80, he was retiring. And so he was walking out of the park that day as he had been honored. And this lady was walking in, and he said, have a good day. And she said, well, thank you, sir. He, she said, I only have one hour to spend in the park. Where would you suggest that I go? And he said, oh, ma'am. If you only have one hour to spend in the park, this is what you need to do. You need to go and sit down by the river over there and put your head in your hands and cry because you are missing so much. And he turned and walked out. Now, as Yosemite Park has so much to see and I have never been there and would love and I'm pretty sure probably some of you have God's word is full of stuff and I hear people say oh I've read that before I've heard that parable I've heard that verse I've studied I've heard that preached the Holy Spirit man the Holy Spirit will give you insight if you would just get into his word and meditate on it and study it. And when you don't understand it, he will give you understanding through the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Next, listening carefully means always looking for Christ in the Word. Always looking for Christ in the Word. In John 6, Jesus says, 
and he's talking to the, the, the Jews, the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is in these that they bear witness to, Jesus says, me. Do you remember the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes after the resurrection and there's two walking on the road and the scripture tells us beginning with Moses and with all the prophets not some of the prophets and the Moses being the five book first books the Pentateuch the first books of the Bible all the prophets Jesus explains to them the things concerning himself in and there's another word that the scripture uses in all of the scriptures Jesus is here in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. And as we study and as we read God's Word, we need to see Jesus because the passages illuminate Jesus' redemption in the Old and the New Testament. It reveals his Messiahship in the Old and the New Testament. Charles Haddon uh, Spurgeon was walking out of a a church one day he had been asked to come listen to this young man that was preaching in England and and so he walks out and the man's the young man's there and he says well, what did you think uh, uh, sir and he knew who Haddon was who Spurgeon was and um, and he said well son the delivery was good but I didn't hear Christ and the young man said well, wait a minute you heard the verses I preached. Christ was not in those verses. There was no mention of Christ in what I preached. You heard me. I was true to the text. And Spurgeon said, Son, go back to your office and start with Genesis 1. And if you find a text from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 that does not point to Christ, I want you to come find me because Christ is in every aspect of the Word of God because it's about Him. We need to look for Christ in the Word. Third, we need to listen carefully because it means we need to seek to apply God's word to our own heart and to our own life. I mentioned this on Wednesday night as I was teaching in um, Exodus. And as Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, the Lord God has said to, to let my people go. And Pharaoh looks at Moses. He says, I don't know the Lord God. I don't know who you're talking about. And I don't know why in the world I would do what you're telling me to do? Well, those two questions were also what the Apostle Paul realized in Acts on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord? And what shall I do, Lord? Those two questions that we have as believers, as the Lord God has come into our life, we have to identify him as Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, what are you calling me to do? As we read God's word, God begins to 
fill our hearts and our minds in understanding what his will is for our life, how to use the gift that he's given us, our spiritual gift for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. The word will not just fill our minds with interesting facts, though it will give us some interesting facts. And it will not just give us the history, though it will give us history about the world, about the Jews, about Christianity. But the Word of God, if we read it correctly and rightly and righteously, will cause our hearts to conform to the living God as we surrender to Him. I know a number of people that are smarter than I am when it comes to the Word of God. They could um, really take and um, do tense variegations of the Greek and the Hebrew and just wow you in the, the, the study of Greek and Hebrew and could give you the connection with Judaism and with Christianity. They could tell you what Jesus taught when and where on a timeline. But I know a few people that could do that, that I've looked at their life because I've seen how they've interacted with others. And there is no evidence of fruit because of the anger and the selfness, selfishness and the pride that they have in their life. That they are smarter, better than you. And the Bible tells us, put your prideful ways aside to love God and to love others. And if it becomes about us, no matter how smart we are in the scripture, we've missed the point. Jesus has called us to apply his word to our heart, our very heart and our very life. Because if we don't, we get to the second part of verse 18. We listen superficially. And Jesus says in this text, if we listen superficially, then what we think we have can be taken away. This is a warning. Absolutely, those that were standing there, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the, the Sanhedrin that would hear Jesus teach and preach, Jesus certainly is talking to them because they were prideful about what they understood. But they superficially understood this Messiahship. They did not believe that it was he. They did not understand the scriptures that they had from the Old Testament that prophesied that Jesus would come and be the suffering servant. And what happened their land was taken, the temple was destroyed, they were under dictatorship. Some of them were, je were zealous, but many of them were deceived. They did not allow the very word of God to apply in their life. They lived this superficial life. They allowed the self-deception of the world to play in to their very life. 
we must constantly confront ourselves, as Paul says, we are to examine ourselves before the Lord. We have to look at our thoughts and our attitudes and our behavior. We have to look at our relationships with others. If our relationships with others are in peril, if they are fractured, we need to do something about that. Because God has called us to love him and to love others. To share that grace and mercy that he has offered us with others. And how do we know that? We know that by the very word of God. And we look at verse 19 through 21. And in 19 through 21, it seems odd that you would add this to this parable, but Jesus adds it to the parable. Jesus has this piece added. His mother and his brothers, and if you ever thought that he didn't have any brothers, this is just one place you can go and show that he has brothers, and he's believed that he's got sisters also. And so Mary and Joseph had other children. Um, that doesn't take away from the, the virgin birth. Please don't get caught up into that. But here his mother and his brothers are outside, and they tell Jesus that they're outside. They can't get in. The crowd is such that they're not letting them in. Everyone is interested in what Jesus is doing. And in Jesus, in no way, is saying that there's nothing special about the relationship with mothers and fathers and children and siblings and all of that. But what he is saying is there is a priority that takes place when it comes to his word, when it comes to serving him, when it comes to obeying him. The allegiance first is to God. It is to God this allegiance to his word that Jesus says. And he answers them and says to them, My brother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. And do it. John 14, 21. John 14, such a good chapter. And Jesus told his disciples, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him. And then this wonderful phrase, And I will disclose myself to him. Jesus will disclose himself to us. When we are obedient to his word, when we listen correctly, when we put away the superficial listening, when we don't allow the word to go in one ear and out the other, but listen to what the Holy Spirit is giving us, Jesus says, it will be given to you and more. More will be given to you. I will bless you more as you walk in obedience to me. I believe these two parables of the, of the sower and the lamp in Luke's gospel are linked together. Are we to let our light shine before men so that they can see our good works before God and the Father? Yes, 
But here Jesus is carrying this message about his word to us. That we are to continue in the word. Be obedient to the word. And let the light shine. Let his word shine through us so that others can truly see it. Are we being obedient? Are we listening in a way that God's word makes a difference in our life? Are we obeying? So let me close. One more story and we will pray. <clears throat> so this um, family was coming home from church and <clears throat> the child, young girl, said to her mom, Mom, can I ask you a question? And she said, of course, honey. He said, she said to her mom, uh, well, the, the preacher this morning said, God is bigger than we are. In fact, he said that God is so big, he can hold the whole world in his hands. Is that true? And she said, well, yes, honey, that's, that's true. And she said, I've got one more question, Mom. Can I ask one more question? She said, yeah. But, but the pastor also said, when you give your life to Christ, that Christ comes and lives in you. Is that true? Yes, honey, that is true. The, the preacher was right in what he said in both of those things. And she had this puzzled look on her face. And the mother said, well, well honey, what's wrong? And she said, well, mom, if that's true, if God is bigger than we are, and God comes and lives in me, Shouldn't he shine through? Father, thank you for your word. That you have given us that seed of faith and you have called us to righteousness in your name. And you have given us this book to tell us about you and who you are and what you have done through Jesus our Savior. And you have given us these understandings and standards to live by that keep us right and righteous in your eyes. And Father, you have given us your spirit to dwell in us. Shouldn't that light shine through? You are bigger than the world. And you live in us. Oh, Father. How blessed we are. Father, this morning, may we hear your word and obey it. May it take hold. Deep roots. So that others can see the light of Christ. And Father, I pray this morning that your very word would illuminate our lives such that if there is anything superficial, anything in the crevice of our hearts, Father, that you would expose it and we would confess it. May it be so, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen.